Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, you may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some of, to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me. She gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. The word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church, and um, we continue and are, I'm asking for a friend sermon series. And a number of questions I received via email from you had to do with this question. Kind of the, the contrast and inconsistencies between what we Christians claim is God's all-powerfulness Good and in contrast with the evil and brokenness rampant in the world. 
This week we pick up where we let off, left off last week in part two of if, good, if God is good, then why do bad things happen? And all of the variations of that question. In part one, if you were to go back and listen to that uh, sermon online, we discovered from the creation story what makes God good and how God has created us to know and share and experience that goodness. This week, I know y'all been waiting for this one, we are going to look at what went so wrong and why things can be so bad. I want to go ahead and repeat my disclaimer before we get into this, and I may do this every sermon because of these questions, and some of this stuff goes out online, um, so it's important, and some of you may share this with somebody you know, so please bear with me as I take time to let you know and other folk know that this is a biblical response from a pastor who's a Christian and who is called to preach the gospel through these responses. Let me remind you, you are not in a classroom this morning, right? And, and this is a worship service. And so my goal, I don't want to hide it from you. I will be doing my best to make sure that your hearts and minds and lives are hopefully having a true interaction with the living God, the one you're questioning. So my hope is that he answers you and that you hear his voice and that you receive his grace. So the goal for me is beyond being just reasonable, right? Like we're having a philosophical discussion here. I've gone beyond human reason and hoping that you would be redeemed, right? That you would be reconciled with God through Jesus Christ. That's my goal, putting it all on the table for you. Also, if you want or need to get deeper than I get in these sermons, like, you know, you, you the type, you want to stay up late, talk, you know, hang out, drink a couple beers, and then really get deep, you know. Um, well, the, the men and women who are, or, or coffee, sorry, or espresso, I usually get going when I have my coffee. The men and women who are leaders in this community completely welcome a sit down with you as you work through some of this stuff. And I realize that for many of you, th this is not a game for me. This is not a game for the spirit, for the leaders in this church. Some of you are really going through some stuff. This is not hypothetical. This isn't me playing an Olympics with theology. Let's see if Pastor Brown can answer these questions. No, this is a ministry to you who are really going through stuff. In fact, it is one of our goals to see community come out of this, um, and it doesn't necessarily mean it'll end up with you joining Christ Central and our church growing and all of that kind of stuff. That'd be great. That'd be nice. But it's about equipping people in this church to have conversations with people not only in this church, but in their families and outside of this church community. So I welcome that. I want your friends brought around and comforted by some of what you may hear today, some of these pressing questions about God and Christianity, okay? So why are things so bad if God is so good and powerful, right? How did things go um, from being created so very good by an awesome God to now questions like this, where God is on the hook, where God is now on trial by human beings for, for what feels like he's letting us down and allowing things to get out of hand. Because when things go bad for us, 
and maybe I'm just talking about me, but I have a feeling it's all of us. You know, we, we see suffering or the world coming unhinged, and, and we, have a ten, we, we, we have a tendency to look up with what I described last week as the world's most popular and simplest prayers, right? Why, God? Or, oh, God, I can't believe it. Or, or God, whatever language you want to use, right? Or Jesus, or Jesus Christ, right? We, we throw these words out, and, and there may even be an angry stare that goes along with it, staring at the sky. Or maybe it's the despairing, how could you, God? Or a fist raised towards heaven. Or, or maybe for you it's a posture of exasperated, broken belief and disbelief of, of how could you, God, or how could you be God, or, or how could you be God, how could you be or exist with all the hell I'm going through in my life and in my world? And sometimes, it's the Christians. <laughs> and, and I'm not trying to say, like, there's that, that, something bad, it's just something we go through, right? It, it's the most devout spiritual religious person who is beside themselves, that, that they could have given so much to serve and follow and trust God, and he just kind of dumps divine excrement on their lives. That's what they feel on their prayers, sometimes even in their outstretched hands to him, and then he just kind of asks us to believe. You just got to believe. And friends come around and say, you just got to have faith. You just feel that. Why such bad and bad results if and when God exists as good, so-called good and all-powerful? Two things I want us to see. I had one sermon, but it looked like it turned into two. I don't want to be up here too long today. But two things I want us to see that the Scripture reveals in this earliest, what you just heard, the earliest drama of human history found in Genesis chapter 3. Remember, I'm going to give you a biblical answer. Things are bad, even though there is an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, all-good God, first, because of broken relationships. And we'll get into what that means. And secondly, because of God's perfect judgment. Broken relationships and perfect judgment. Most likely, you've heard the word sin used in describing what and why things are so bad in the world. More specifically, original sin. Some of you have heard that, that Adam and Eve, our very first parents, ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, tempted by the devil in the form of a serpent. serpent. The devil, a fallen angel, posing again as some sort of serpent, that God made things very good in six days and rested on the seventh. And then Adam and Eve, again, our original parents, made it very bad for all of us from here on out with their choice to eat the fruit of the one tree in the garden God put there for them to obey him by and not eat. And before you go off, I know as soon as I said that or thought that or when I was reading, I thought, you know, it's God's fault even there. He helped contribute to the downfall by even putting a tree there with a don't sign on it. You remember on Sesame Street when the guy would paint the numbers on the bench? Come on. Right? Number eight. And he would paint it. And what's going to happen? Are y'all too young for this? The guy's going to come and sit in it. You know what I'm saying? Or he's going to put his back. He's going to put it on the wall and he's going to put his back. It happens every time. And so I look at him and say, Lord, why did you put the tree of knowledge and good and evil in the garden? It's like that guy on Sesame Tree painting the numbers on the bench where you sit. 
thought about it. It actually wasn't bad that he had a prohibition. Right? It, it was there as a good boundary and defining of the relationship they would have with God, right? It was a way for them to, hear me now, grow as they walked by every day and didn't take it. To remember that, hey, it's good to be free not to know everything. Because God's got this. Walking past it was to say, God's got this. You know, worship wasn't invented because of the fall, right? And so in some sense, as they walked by that tree, it was like a worship service, right? They would look at it. They would remember it. Don't eat of that. Ah, God's got it. I trust him. Amen. You were supposed to grow from that. That's what the tree of good and evil said. It was a billboard of it's good to have a heavenly father and, 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 and be there and, and, and trust and, and have faith and love for him. And you would grow as you just obeyed and let it speak to you that God alone was good. And guess what? That we need not have to decide for ourselves what was good and evil. True freedom. So true, so free, it's hard for us to even believe that. And so when they ate the fruit, it was all about breaking what? The good relationship between them and God. A very good relationship that human beings stepped out on and to the side of. I want us to look at this thing once again. Look at verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field, that the Lord God had made. He said to the women, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And I'm not going to get into all of this, man. I love Genesis. Oh, man, the first three chapters, you could preach on this thing for like 50 weeks, you know, but I'm not today. Not even 50 minutes, okay? Like, we're going to get through it. Um, And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, he added that little thing about touch it, but anyway. You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths, right? And and, and I'm not going to continue to read. We're going to come back to some of the reading, but they hid themselves from God, right? The, The relationship was broken. Like a number of you, I appreciate the sci-fi horror zombie virus genre. You know, even if it's on like Netflix or something and it's at the bottom, like the ones people don't watch and it has like two stars. If it's about some kind of contagion, have y'all you seen contagion one and then contagion two? When it gets to contagion four, you know, you can just catch that on YouTube. You know what I'm saying? Not even YouTube red, just YouTube, right? So, um, you know, the movie's like 70 minutes long. You know, it's got, I'm not going to talk about the actors, actresses that would have in it. But anyway, um, but 
as much as I like that where someone gets something, where you get stung by some kind of bug, your face swell up, or you get dots on you or something, or, they, they, or that kind of transformation, maybe it goes back to the Dracula days, um, like, like some sort of pathogen or issue. And though it might be easy to make what happened in the garden in our minds chemical or, you know, some kind of psychological uh, uh, chemical change or, or scientific, what happened in the garden was so much more insidious and complicated than a virus. Because sin, brokenness, badness came and stays not because of some poison or chemical in the fruit, but because of a broken relationship, a decision and choice that said and affirmed and solidified into an instinctive distrust of God. Of God. And so that decision broke us. It stained us. It damaged us at an elemental spiritual level that made humans no longer good with each other and God and the world they were in. It was insidious. That means it was inside of us. The, the good relationships God created us for and put us in are now forever out of order and not all good. Look at how this contributed to the bad we experience in the world. Look at verse 6. And so they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The man and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I, because I was naked. I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I've commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman you gave to, to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. See, I mean, just getting into this whole thing. Again, I can't unwind it all, but it's, it's there enough for us to get it. That Adam and Eve gave up the oneness. They had to communicate, right? They gave up a oneness, like at the tree, right? They were split. She's there looking at it, seeing that it's good. There's no conversation going on. And then he gives it to her. He's standing there. She's talking to this serpent. The serpent is talking and talking about words. God is saying something ain't right here. And yet they both saw something in it that they wanted selfishly. We see a breakdown in the communication. It, 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 we see a breakdown in the relationship, you know, and then they use nature to cover themselves and fix their nakedness and, and guilt in a way they shouldn't have. And then they blame shift and fear and discomfort and guilt and insecurity before God. And, and with the serpent in the middle of it all, Adam and Eve and we humans descended from them will have all kinds of issues with our spiritual darkness, right? With spiritual darkness having let Satan and all kind of demonic forces into the realm of our God-given dominion here on earth. It's all messed up. And we, like Adam and Eve, are caught up in this web. Bad relationships and situations. I don't have to, we don't have to read a Bible story to know this. Y'all know this. Sunday morning, coming to church, what happened with some of y'all? Didn't get along. Even at the McDonald's drive through window, I'm sure. It happens. Oh, good. M Mom is going to take us to get McDonald's. I want to supersize mine. No. Why? No. Uh, what? See? 
And you come to church mad over an egg Mac muffin not coming with the hash brown. Right? It's, it's stupid stuff, but that kind of stuff continues to grow, right? You're talking about countries not getting along. You're talking about race groups not getting along. You're talking about people. I mean, it, it just keeps going on and on. And then, I mean, and then I've heard my mom even say, man, you she be mad leaving something went wrong before Sunday. And she says, that's just a devil trying to steal my joy, right? And I'm thinking, am I the devil? No, you're not. You know, you, you begin to think, but what the scripture is saying that it is very true that there are spiritual forces involved because of what happened right there in the garden with broken relationships. And they're caught up. We're caught up. And God is there, but so disconnected, right? Now God's disconnected. Isn't that the definition of a bad and broken relationship, right? We wouldn't care if they weren't really in a relationship how they act, right? But imagine they are there and in your life, but you can't make it work for good. That's a bad, broken relationship, right? So one thing I want us to remember, and, and it's very, it's so difficult because we are so disconnected from God, is that every human being has a relationship with God, right? You do. I didn't say saving, right? I didn't say you're his child and he was your father kind of relationship that comes through Christ Jesus. I'm saying you all have a relationship with God because he is God and you are his creation, right? But it's a bad relationship and it's broken. And, and here's what's hard when things go, go bad and we begin to ask God why, like in these questions. You see, like we see with Adam and Eve, because of our broken relationship with God, we are so hidden from God. And now so wise on our own. This is what happened when I ate that fruit. We are so hard-headed that a conversation with God is often one way. Where we can't hear him. And we are so, and we are so dysfunctional with God, we can't comprehend him like we should. In fact, Let's get in this a little bit. In fact, when the Bible says here in verse 8 that they heard the sound of God walking in the garden. Now, we look at the word sound in Scripture. The sound in the Bible is not always a good way to describe an interaction with God. Okay? Adam and Eve heard a sound, not the voice of a father. The Bible is telling us, and those things are often contrasted in Scripture. The Bible is telling us that the sound of God was, the, was for the first time alien and scary to them. They hid like a growl or harsh movement for the first time. The sound of God was one of fear and not trust. I remember Kelly and I, when we first got married, we lived in her mom's basement. Man, that was a nice little cozy spot, wasn't it? Down in the basement, St. Louis. And um, one, one day she was at work, and Kelly's mom and sister were upstairs. And 
I think Madeline did something wrong, took the car and went to see her boyfriend or something she wasn't supposed to or something. Lord, y'all. She was having a stern conversation upstairs. I couldn't hear every word, but I heard a sound, right? A voice, a movement, a scariness. I didn't know what it was. I heard stomping on the floor. I heard, and I heard a little bit, you shouldn't have. I sat on that bed, scared. That I was going to get some too. I don't know why. I just started thinking of all the things I did wrong. And I didn't want to go because of the sound, y'all. And we all are afraid of the sound because we think we're guilty, right? We, you know, the sound of someone or something in a horror movie. Y'all know how this thing goes. You're in this dark place. The lights aren't going out. And they hear a noise, right? And is that you? They're dead, Right? No one goes towards the sound. When you hear, Harry, is that you? No, it's not. It's a machete, right? It's a chainsaw. Run. It's the sound. Or it's like something you never want to do to your wife or you, if you're married or parents, if you're a kid, do the Charlie Brown noise. You don't want to do that. Right? Wah, 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 wah. Nobody wants to do that, right? Don't try it. And if you have, I'm glad you're still alive, you know? But y'all remember Charlie Brown? Sometimes that's the sound you hear when someone's speaking to you, like, like, like God is speaking, and all you can hear is wah, 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 right? Or for you, again, who are married or in relationships, what will get you in an argument and keep you arguing? Arguing about you didn't listen. Did you remember what I said? <laughs> yes, I do. Let me think about it. <laughs> right? And then you begin to repeat the words, and that isn't good enough. You said, right? And it's, that ain't, you still weren't listening. What? Yes, I did. And then you arguing about what was actually said about, and then you forget what the argument was about. Man, lately, I've been dealing with myself because I realized I come up with my own ideas of what my wife writes in the list to go to the grocery store. <laughs> right? It's so weird. It says this, 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 and this. But when I get in the grocery store, I put my own narrative with it. I don't know. I couldn't find it on this shelf. And if it ain't on this shelf, it can't be on the third shelf, right? So let me just get this because it looks good. <laughs> why didn't you listen? Here's a sobering thought about the questions of why about God. You and I can't know why he is allowing and doing this or that because God is a sound to some of us. He's a distant or fearful or potentially disappointing sound because we are living guilty before him and untrusting of him or so sure of ourselves that we can't listen. So when you ask why, God, can you really hear him? Or his word in the Bible with his real life action is just a sick 
lightning and fearful noise to our groove that we got going on in here. And that makes us blame God and, and treat him like a mad mom or dad or threat or worse, the sound of an absentee or abusive dad coming in late and loud in the darkness. But maybe he is speaking. Maybe he is coming to deal with our bad situation we are in or see happening in our world and lives and we can't or won't hear it because we don't trust him. That's why broken relationship is why there is so much bad in the world. Or, here's a hard one, especially for us Americans. We, you know I love some documentaries because I want to know the truth, Right? Y'all remember, it seems like it happens to every president. I don't remember it happened to this one, but just every president I've watched, when they like, okay, they went and let him see the black book, the black book of all the threats in the world. And I'll never forget, and I just don't know why, because maybe because Obama, he went in and he was all young looking with that dark hair, I could tell, and they showed him the black book and he came out, he was gray. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, he's going in to see, get the codes, nuclear codes and blah, 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 and then he was... You know, he was Obama. He was cool. He was rolling in. He was fresh. You know, he was a candidate, right? He went in, saw that black book. He was like, I guess, right? Maybe God isn't telling us and showing us how he is being good in every situation. And like Adam and Eve, we won't let that be okay. He's got it. That's something like the Bible. We criticize it isn't good or high quality or thorough enough for us. Because we've been trapped thinking that unless we become like him, hear me now, unless you, you, you want to be like him, okay. So you wanna, unless you become like him in the company of the divine, having conversations with the God, a very God, Lord of lords, king of kings, making decisions as a non-God with and about how God should be, making eternal multiple dimension decisions of time and space as a finite being, stuff you ain't even equipped or made to handle, we will then say God is not fair. God should give me an explanation? Well, you and I wouldn't require an explanation if we would be okay being human and being children and God being God and our Heavenly Father. Bottom line, you and I can't know why God did or didn't this. How does a few good men go? You weren't created or made or, cre you weren't made or created even in your original state to handle all the truth. I say this because I know how things go in our mind, a conspiracy theory. When something goes bad, we think somebody's trying to hide something from us. Right? Who, 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 who really is doing it? What, who, who stole something? Right? What, what, what's the cover-up, y'all? This was true before the fall. It was true before sin entered the world that there were things God knew that he would not share with us. So we ask these questions. The reason we're having a hard time in dealing with it 
is because we don't believe the original point. He's God and we are not. And that's a good thing. And we'll unravel some of this. This is why I had to preach another sermon, because we'll unravel some of this. Now, next time I preach won't be until July 29th, so you know, I'll preach part three on this. But I'm going to talk about God using kind of secondary means to accomplish his good purposes and talk about suffering a little bit and how he uses that for good. We'll go through that next time. So why do things have to be so bad in how we treat each other and our family issues, on my job, with my finances, with the weather, with being abused and taking advantage of it, all the sexism and racism and all of that? And why do I feel so distanced from God and myself? And I got all, and, and, and I got all this stuff because of sin. Because human beings broke things off with God a long time ago and continue to have a broken relationship. And when that happens, everything falls apart. But I know where the question of bad, if God is good, really comes from. I'm not trying to avoid it. I just know sometimes we skip over our part, right? We won't come down on God real hard. God, why'd you do that, right? And you kind of experience as a parent sometimes, why, why'd you do this? You don't need to know why, right? You just need to be a kid, right? My mom used to say, that's grown folk business, right? Sometimes it's God's business. So I think it's important that we understand our part in it. But here we go. Why bad? And God's so good. Because of God's judgment. It's something we don't talk about a lot. And I don't like to talk about it a lot. Because it's just hard to hear when you already don't trust God. <laughs> you know, I don't want to run y'all off, but I got to tell you the truth. Now, remember we talked about God being good? Well, what that good is a part of what it means, what it means for God to be holy. I'm going to go slow here, okay? And holy isn't just a description of God. Holiness is who he is. It is an attribute. It is his personality. It is his person, which means he is separate in having no equal. He is the standard and supreme of everything, which means anything you and I could consider right or good or true or having integrity or authenticity or beauty, he is the unchangeable standard of those things. So even though we broke our part of the relationship as human beings, hear me now, even though we broke our part, God did not and does not lose his holiness and holy relationship with us. So we lost all mine. Oh, come on, you guys. Maybe it's just the way I was raised. Sometimes you act a fool and mama act a fool too, right? And then sometimes, I'm so sorry, I acted a fool, but you drove me crazy, right? Like, as a parent, sometimes you got to question yourself. Did I go over the edge? It drove me crazy. drove me crazy. Son, and sometimes Kelly, why'd you yell like that? And then I feel bad about myself. Maybe I went a little bit over the edge. But I don't like when I'm talking and headphones are in the ears. I just don't like that. Wap, iPhone. Not them, iPhone. I can't go to jail for hitting an iPhone, right? Wap iPhone. No, I never hit an iPhone. Maybe I did. I don't remember. Sometimes you black out. Okay? What happened? iPhone broken. 
doggone it, $100 again. You know, like, okay, anyway, headphones. If it's wireless, you got to stomp on that thing. You, before it's just wireless, I'm talking. And then you're like, oh, gosh, I snapped, right? Here's the deal. God didn't snap, y'all. We snapped. He remained holy. So don't look at judgment as God snapping on you. Right? It's him being who he is. In fact, holiness means God kept his composure as God. You lost yours. So let's talk about what judgment means. Right? He, he, he has no equal. He, and, and as a reminder and a marker, marker. Here, here we go, a tattoo of our sin, he allows judgment to come on us that says, guess what, y'all? Don't fool yourself. Things ain't right with you and in you and in this world. They're only right within God. Look at, uh, wait, not yet. Divine judgment says you are penalized. And you need to know and remember that human beings sinned against God. They broke God's heart, divine design and desire. Uh, and, and so he has penalized humanity, the spirit world and nature. Look again at verse 15 with me. We'll start at 14. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and thus you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Sorry, y'all, I'm not getting deep into that one, okay? We, we, we'll We'll come back maybe later. I'll kind of just gloss over it. Okay. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife. Mm. And I did say something about listening. Okay. That's something different. We're we not getting into that. And have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of. Curses the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust and to dust you shall return. I went quick. But do you see it? Did you hear it? It's not only the results of broken relationships that makes things bad. Let's go ahead and blame God for something. It is, the, it is God's sentencing, sentencing of perfect judgment against us and on the world. I said it. And because he is God, it is good judgment. It is right, just, and true. He judges our sin, let me, two ways, actively. That means directly smashing or complicating or making something happen. His divine hand is actually in it. He's touching it. And then also passively, which means sometimes he just lets our bad selves, our bad relationships, sinful ways take their natural course, which is really, really bad. And the bad news is as part of the judgment for Adam and Eve's sin was that it is now a lifetime sentence for the whole human race, for all human history, and for the sin we continue to... Uh, perpetrate. That, that's not just because of how bad we are only. But let me convince you how, but about how holy and perfect God and his judgment is. Why do bad things happen to us? Because God has put and allowed strife in our relationships and he has cursed the ground 
which means getting resources and living and work. When you go to work and you get tired, it's the curse. And he has put discomfort in our human relationships and our earthly jobs to do the things he's called us to do. Birth, it says even here. She ain't got long, does she, Robert? Catherine, you ain't got long. do You do today, right? I thought you said this morning she was due today. Next week. Could be today. Anyway, so I shouldn't do that in the sermon. Why? Okay, anyway, moving on. In a week. Right? Beautiful. Birth. You going to have a son? Yes. Going to have a son. Birth. Relationships. Strife. Pain. All because of penalty and judgment and curse of being broken sinners in a broken world. But this is not just a judgment of perfect holiness. Let me convince you that it is a judgment of perfect love. I go on and on about how bad the judgment is. Pretty bad. God, you know, when I was in seminary and we talked about hell, in seminary, um, and one of our professors wrote a book on hell, you know. Um, and he said, you know, in the, in the comics, I mean, in the cartoons, you've heard me teach this before, but in the cartoons, you always saw hell and people in their suffering, and then the devil was on a throne of hell with his pitchfork sticking people. You know what hell is? People say, oh, hell is God isn't there. No, it's worse than that. It's God's wrath being there. Satan isn't doing a pitchfork. Imagine God's judgment perfectly doing it, right? It's God's exercise of his holiness, all right? That is hard to hear, but I thought you just need to hear it, right? This isn't like some arbitrary circumstantial stuff where God is involved. We just floating through the air. We just falling down, and God's not involved. Right? Let me ask you something. Good parenting. Right? Does a good parent put, put a kid in timeout? Or does a good parent let a kid go ahead and touch something they ain't supposed to touch? Right? Should I allow my kid to be late to school and get a bad grade? Or should I take the phone away, right? Like, like which side is right? They're both good parenting. Both are good and just. Will you get that idea of both being good parents? The good parent, because you discipline or punish your own children to keep the relationship right for their own good. And you being able to stay in a place of authority and strength to help them and be their parent. To do anything otherwise would take you out of the position to actually help and change and love them. Look at verse 22 with me, this end verse here. I think it's real amazing. Let's start at verse 20. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. We'll get back to this scripture next time I preach. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us and knowing good and evil. Now, hear this, lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, 
The Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eve to work the ground, that hard ground, right, from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword. Flaming sword, that ain't good, right? Now, th that, turned, that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. All right. We could have been separated from God's goodness and our ultimate good forever. I imagine in our state where we were untrusting of God, right? Imagine not getting along with each other and we were to eat of the tree of life and live eternally in that state. He refused to lose the ability to love and be good to us. Very good. Do you realize in judgment that he brought on us and on this world, he was refusing to lose creation forever, not being very good? He refused for them to be, live happy and content, being separated from the best for them in search of a good and true and healing in their own state that would never come by them doing life without him without needing him to reverse the fall. So he kept them and us away. He sent human beings out to a place where it would sometimes hurt and make us desperate apart from him. So we will recognize that we, that not that we hate God for letting this happen, but rather we need God to make it through what has and is happening to us. See, God doesn't want us to become like him, knowing good and evil for ourselves. He wants us to love him being our source of good and our only hope against the evil. He wants us to be eternally his children and for us to see him as a good divine father. And he would rather us die to and in this world and let the body that has been broken by sin penalty, right, be broken by sin penalty and wake up in eternal life with him or be sick of or suffer in this world for a lifetime than possibly be lost to him and his goodness for all eternity. God will not give up his right and holy right to be God and father in the lives of his people. Because God has made a judgment call every time something happens. Whether he brings direct judgment on it or if he allows our sense of screwed up relations to hinder or sting us. And whether he lets the curse of the earth and its gravity and the fact that things break and snap and fall apart and misfire and overheat and blow out. Because the ground, nature, physics is now cursed with judgment. But every judgment call is a call of his perfect love. I don't know about you, especially for those who are your parents. I'd rather have my kid broken and with me. Hurt and with me. Questioning and with me and halfway happy and separated. God, 
gosh, I wish I could talk about that movie. Um, I can't because I don't have time. But that Daniel Day-Lewis movie, what's the, the dressmaker, what's that thing called? There's something about the dressmaker anyway. Huh? Ain't no red. Oh, oh yeah, thread. Yes. I need to listen. The Phantom Thread. Thank you, Kelly. I can't, that, that movie has a real interesting um, gospel application as far as it's concerned. It, it's awesome. But anyway, I can't get into it. Ooh. And I say all this, and guess what? And, and I'm closing here, y'all. I don't expect it to all make sense. I don't expect, when I talk about judgment and God's perfect judgment, and I throw the word love in there for it to necessarily reach and comfort you when things have gone bad or going bad for you or others. I'm not even sure, considering how broken our relationship with God is, that he expects that we will always say, yay, things aren't good. Yay, thank you, God. Things are so bad. Yippee, right? It's this perfect judging love for me. No, people don't go around saying that. But his active love for you, even through judgment, continues. He's on mission to get you. I'm going to say something risky. I invite you to do something risky. I told you to say, oh, God, why good things when they were good, like when you see good things. I hope you exercise some of that. Good morning. Wow, that meant God because he created the morning. Woo, like, you know, kind of have some good discussion. Well, things aren't all good. And it would be faking it if you were just saying, that's good all the time. And I will give you a different thing to say next week, but without forgetting the good, thank God exercise that I gave you last week. You need to keep doing that. I think that's helpful. I want you to be freed to even do a holy curse with God. What do I mean by that? I want you to be free to admit, confess, and curse sin and brokenness in the world. To declare the truth of the fall, the broken stuff between us and God and each other and ourselves and the earth, and then don't hold it in. Put all the cursing on and towards one person. Jesus Christ. What do I mean? Curse the hardships. Curse your hard-headedness. Curse your blindness and deafness to God. Curse the inability to trust God in each other. Curse fear and pain and suffering. Curse that wreck on the side of the road and sickness for what it is and what caused it. broken world and people and sin and Satan and then by all means bless God by putting all of that cursing of broken relationships and judgment on Jesus let him take it and take it on see God's judgment of love perfect judgment of love is finally seen in the cross, y'all. 
I close with the same scripture last week, and I give this to you again. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever believes in him will not die. Remember what the serpent said? You won't die. Will not die, but have eternal life. You know what happened on the cross to Jesus? God became flesh himself in his son, Jesus, and he put a perfect judgment of sin on him for his perfect love towards us. Jesus was allowed and judged and given the worst and the badest, if that was word. He came to be cursed and blessed out by sinners like us and received the most questionable, unfair, but perfectly just slap in the face by God because he was perfect so that the relationship between us and God can begin to be healed and trustworthy. You know what being a believer, a Christian means in large part? And I welcome you to this. That you're able to admit your brokenness. Things are bad. I don't understand. It's hard to trust you, God. I can't put forth any more trust. I'm so beaten, I ain't got nothing left. Thank you for Jesus. Because I can take all the curse I feel, all the stuff I cause, and I can actually put it on him, and he'll take it. That's Christianity. Not walking around saying everything's good, yippee. But God is good because everything as bad as it is has been put on Christ for my good. If you're not a believer today, it's not yours to understand every single thing God is doing. But I hope you can see what he did through Christ. As you feel the brokenness in your world, if you're a Christian today, oh man, be reminded again. You don't have to have it all together. You're allowed to cry out against the curse to God because of Christ. Next week, we'll talk about like how God uses this stuff for our good because that all sounds weird and yet not be the author of sin as, as some theolo theological books say. How is it? What's my suffering mean? Now, we could do a whole sermon series on suffering, but I'm going to talk about it a little bit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. That we can confess our sin. We can confess brokenness. Things ain't right. Things are really bad. The world is under a curse and a judgment of sin. Lord, give us the freedom to rightly and in a holy manner curse our sickness and struggle and, and, and brokenness, but only in the light of your redemption in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray for those of us who can't let it go. 
Lord, I pray for those who are holding on because they can't let it be bad. (laughs) They're not free to let it be bad or as bad as it is. (laughs) Because there's no hope of redemption. Thank you for your perfect judgment of love. Which means you can save us. Save us today, Lord. Save us from our self-deception. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.